Thank you very much to the gentleman from the Gentleman by Choice. This is Between Two Femmes, uh, cliffcentral.com live. Yeah, you know what? All I can say is that I'm very, very glad <laughs> that we are heading into a long weekend. I think everyone feels the same way. I was talking to Subim Boya outside, who's coming up next after us um, with Gareth Armstrong. Um, everybody just seems to be so tired. I think it's the build up to the weekend that causes this. And you know, as you build up, you're probably you suddenly right. realize, oh, I'm going to relax shortly and therefore I'm going to build up all my yeah, attention. Yeah. It will come to a four. It will explode on Thursday afternoon <laughs> like a sort of a giant pimple. <laughs> oh no. On the face of exhaustion. Oh my gosh. That's, <sighs> that's not a favorite analogy of mine, a giant pimple. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know what? We are heading into a long weekend and what better way to head into a long weekend than to possibly award you, yes, you, with a wonderful prize. Of course. Of for course. Sale? Of course. So because cliffcentral.com is turning one this year. Very soon. Very soon. Yeah, shortly. In a, yeah, uh, on the 1st of sh- May. Indeed. Yeah. You're planning a big, giant birthday bash, but in between, to celebrate, we're giving away half a million rands worth of smartphones. Um, so if you want to upgrade or just need a new smartphone, mm-hmm. because that's what you need, we'll hook you up with the Samsung Galaxy S4 or Samsung Galaxy Note. That's for right. the month of April. Alright, so what do we need Here's to do? Here's what you need to do. Just by listening out for the question, which we will shortly ask, submit your answer on WeChat by tapping connect. Yes. Listen to this. Yeah. Tap connect. Then tap competition on mm-hmm. the menu mm-hmm. and answer the question and we'll give you the phone shortly. And, and the question is, of course, there are T's and C's <laughs> and um, it's happening throughout April. Um, here is our question. Let's hear it. What new show started today? Now, if you were under a rock, you will not know this answer because since yesterday, uh, an entire announcement was made about who was the latest um, headline sensation to join on to Cliff Central. Mm-hmm. It was all over Twitter yesterday and a lot of people said, oh, April Fool's, because uh, we do have a brand new uh, presenter, possibly a, a radio expert, if not veteran, who joined on to Cliff Central this morning, started his show at exactly 9 a.m. this morning, 9 to 10. So that's a clue for you. And, um, you know, he's a big deal. He's he been is in, a big deal. He's yeah. been in the news over the last couple of weeks or so for a whole bunch of rumors and controversy and stories and this and that. But that is a question for today, is who started their brand new show today on Cliff Central? Um, so, yeah, it's it's as simple as getting onto WeChat, onto the Cliff Central account. Tap Connect. Click and on connect and then and then competition and submit the your answer. And as soon as you get your answer in, we will reward you with that Samsung Galaxy S4 or Samsung Galaxy Note. It's as easy as that. Thank you very much, Samsung. Um, you know, <laughs> thank you. So, Aswasia, um, dear one, I think it's time for the women's news. All right, well, let's get straight into it. You know, we've got uh, we've got a, a busy show ahead, so let's get straight into it.
but let's start on a health front and, um, you know, let's start with what we're possibly consuming that could be harming us. And this is specifically related to the men, which is that pesticides could be hurting your semen. I was like, are those sailors? <laughs> Do you no, see no. the men? I see them. <laughs> tell us about the pesticides. Well, That's all the jokes I have about. <laughs> well, the problem with a lot of the stuff that we consume, as Masia, especially fruit and vegetables, is we don't necessarily know where they're coming from. We don't know how high in pesticides they are. And unfortunately, um, the more of the pesticides that end up in your system, the more your semen is affected, in which case your future swimmers. Mm-hmm. Um, this be going upstream. Will not be going upstream. This comes from research which followed 155 men um, between 2007 and 2012 and asked them about their diets. And quite frankly, I mean, we're always hearing this. You need to be careful about what you're putting into your body. Actually, you need to be careful what you put into your body as you trawl the the aisles of the uh, shopping centers. Because (laughs) I don't know if you like me, but I always like to steal a grape. And those grapes are drenched in pesticides, so men do not do it. Is this as you're pushing down your shopping cart yeah, trying to yeah, find go, something? Let me see how the grapes taste today. I am one of those people, and yeah. I can see it infuriates. And then the, the, the shopping center also, like, you know, the, the, the giant supermarket chains mm-hmm. say that they've put in non, um, tamper non- with oh. plastic, and of course... You know, you can tamper with the plastic. Are these actually labeled, though? What do yeah, the labels labeled. say? It's non-tamper plastic. Oh. I think it's an attempt to get people not to tamper with the plastic. Well, here's the problem, is that a lot of us are not aware of the ingredients that are found in our food, and especially when it comes to pesticides. Mm. I mean, how are we supposed to know that? And you can bet your bottom dollar that uh, the the stuff is surrounded by yeah. pesticides. So there you go. Uh, be careful of the pesticides you ingest, because they will be hurting your swimmers. Now... What I've got on um, the women's news today mm. is the fact that, like, it's been a, a week or two weeks worth of fighting Instagram. Firstly, there is a Canadian sick photographer called Rupi Khan who posted some stuff about, she posted a series of photographs about the joys of menstruation. The joys? <laughs> or the, not. The what? But there's a specific <laughs> But, yeah, well, there you go. But the, the, the thing was really to say, well, this is the truth about menstruation. Guys, it's not like one of those adverts on TV where lots of happy, joyful girls oh, walk yes. around in bliss. They're in fact, skipping away in fields with butterflies and they look so radiant and pretty. And, and, and she was trying to demystify it and take away the stigma around it. And so she posted several photos on Tumblr. It was part of a project that she was doing and then she posted one on Instagram. But do we know what these photos look like? Yeah, they, they look, you can go and see them on Marie Claire, but the point was that she posted one specifically. It's the year old leak, which happens to every woman. Oh, did she actually post a picture of that? She did. Okay. A dreaded leak. I mean, she posted the whole thing. All right. And um, Instagram then, of course, deleted it. Immediately. Ah, there must have been some people who complained then. Well, yeah, probably. And so then she said, thanks, Instagram, because then she posted it on Facebook and it got a huge following, mm-hmm. which was interesting because Facebook is also known for deleting pictures of women and their nipples, mm. which is the next thing that went on in Iceland. Um, but hang on, I, let's, 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 yeah. let's stay on this, on but this she story. Said, thanks, with the- Instagram, for providing me with the exact response my work was created to critique. 
I will not apologize for not feeding the ego and pride of misogynist society that will have my body in underwear but not be okay with a small leak. <laughs> Do you know when what? your pages are filled with countless photos accounts where women who are underage are objectified, pornified and treated less than human. I just think that honestly if society is going to have such a big reaction to a woman's private parts and the fact that she goes through her menstrual cycle every month. Really, if it grosses you out that much, then why don't you just start having sex with men and leave women alone? Because quite frankly, you cannot handle or deal with the vagina. Just move on.org. Grow up. It's a biological process. Stop squirming at it like a six-year-old boy. Stop making jokes about it. Really, like, just grow up already. Now, speaking of growing up already, because I mean, I do think that certainly there is a, a huge obsession in society with women's nipples, but nevertheless, they're meant to be hidden. You know what I'm saying? Hidden and revealed in private or in, I don't know, porn films, but not sort of taken out on the streets. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, whip your nipple obviously out. a few, two years ago or a year ago, um, the filmmaker, Lena Tsuro or something, uh, and Scout Willis took up this cause, walked around New York, I topless, filming the whole thing. Oh, I remember the story. Because it came from, yeah. um, because Rihanna is known for posting quite raunchy pictures, yeah, and yeah. Instagram issued a warning to her, which somehow ended up in the news, and they said, you, Remove your nipple. Well, they said, stop posting these raunchy pictures, otherwise we're going to have to uh-huh. cancel your account. Because men are allowed to... Go topless And obviously their nipples are free mm. But women's nipples are not free And so the hashtag free the nipple But uh, you know this has been going on Bubbling up for a couple of years But in Iceland In the last week it's gone insane It's gone viral Because it started and I'm dying to say this name A girl A 17 year old girl Ada Porejatota Samara Dottir. That's pretty good. That was pretty good. Uh, that's my Icelandic <laughs> pronunciation. Basically, um, announced that her entire school was going to free the nipple. Hashtag free the nipple. Well, well, okay. So wait a minute. You have an entire school of girls just. The exp- entire, subsequently to this. So, okay, exposing so they, their nipples. They exposed their nipples and on Instagram and then she got trolled quite horribly. And so then it went viral and then the entire nation of Iceland. Those nipples are all over. And you know, it's a bit cold in Iceland. Well, this is true. So just saying, free the nipple. It would be interesting to know who these trolls are. Are they mostly men or women? Because that, that, that to me would be very interesting. Well, it doesn't matter because the trolls got trolled. The trolls got trumped because everyone took it up as a cause and the entire nation freed its nipples. And I just think that is pretty marvelous. And I was actually saying today that the Icelandic police are also quite cool. They have a fantastic Instagram account. So actually Reykjavik. And I read it was the place to visit. Yeah. And clearly you're gonna see a lot of free nipple there. And you know what? Let's just let's face it, the only reason that the world would have a problem with the female nipple is it because it elicits arousal in, you know, heterosexual males and probably homosexual women but quite frankly get over your your arousal like deal with it like a grown-up um speaking of dealing with things um like a grown-up like a grown-up and i'm not sure that this is exactly the case in this story because 70 percent of bosses believe that stress anxiety and depression are not valid excuses to take time off from work 
there is this whole campaign about bringing awareness to depression because every now and again you hear a horrific story about somebody who did something bad. Well, yes, something that, you know, that shocked people and then you find out that the root of the problem was, was, was depression. So there are all these campaigns to try and highlight that depression is a real thing. Not talking about that guy who did that thing. No, no, no. Well, we're not talking about that guy, but, you know, depression is a real thing, but seemingly not in the workplace because bosses think that Milton, mental illness does not warrant time off work. Which is quite shocking. And apparently, and we saw where that result takes you straight into the Alps. Yeah. But here's my question, um, or not even my question, my point, my adjunct. In 2014, they did a study that showed that women in management positions are 30% more likely to be depressed. So they get into senior management positions. They're juggling that much more. They have to manage the fact that they want to be both nice and fire your ass, mm. if you don't. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and apparently this leads to depression. Now, so it sounds like a terrible cycle because yeah. your boss isn't going to give you time off, even though you're depressed and you're in a position of leadership. So, ish. Now, depending on what side of the coin you're looking at, some people would say, oh, well, there you go. Women can't deal with pressure. But then others would say, no, it's because women in powerful positions have the added pressure to deal with. And that is possibly why at least a third of them are suffering from depression in the workplace. Although, just as a sort of point to this, this doesn't mean that you shouldn't have women in your management because companies, as has been shown, who do have um, a healthy amount of women in management actually perform better. Well, there you go. Even though those women are depressed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a depressed, oh, a depressed no, woman. A depressed woman is still, better, still than, better than like sort of happy men. Than any man in any position. <laughs> um, you know what? Um, I, I mentioned that we're heading into the Easter weekend and we all know that this is a dreaded weekend for our roads. And not just our roads, any roads anywhere in the world. Because, you know, there are a lot of cars on the roads and all these deaths seem to occur with people driving negligently or just not following the rules. And so the Department of Transport have made an announcement of a new law which aims to ensure children's safety on the road. And basically, I mean, how many times have you driven past a car and there is perhaps a toddler in the car Uh who is not buckled in his seatbelt, he's jumping up and down in the back seat, or there is somebody in the passenger seat of the car with a baby on their lap. Yes. I don't know why they think this is like sort of rational behavior. So the Department of Transport have said that as of the 30th of April, there is a new law that's going to be passed, which basically says that if your baby is not in a baby seat, a baby car seat, is not restrained or is not buckled up in any way whatsoever, and this also applies to toddlers, I think we're going to face fines for that as of the 30th I'm of glad. April. Yeah. I'm glad because there's really like, I mean, those babies just become projectile sort of little bombs that like fly through the yeah. glass. Yeah, yeah. You know, I under mean, any circumstances. Look, I'm not a mother and I don't know what it's like to have a toddler or a baby in the car, but I often hear that sometimes, you know what, these little monsters just said, just get out of control. Would, would you? But would you risk their lives? Regardless of how out of control they are. Well, that's exactly it, Aspasia. And so that brings us to the end of the women's news. Uh, let me just give you an idea of what's coming up next on the show. We're very excited to have 
Um, Kubu Zulu joining us this afternoon. Kubu Meth Zulu. I think we're going to have to ask her exactly how you pronounce that. Okay, well that's fine. <laughs> um, if because you not, meths could be the, the reason open that I'm to misinterpretation. <laughs> yes. The reason that I'm excited about this interview is number one, it um, you know it 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 educates us on our history. Because she is a descendant of King... The great-granddaughter. Yes, the great-granddaughter of King Dinuzulu, Gatoitrayo. And uh, which, which you know, which is an important... Because my Icelandic pronunciation is pretty hot. <laughs> but let's see how my Zulu... King Dinuzulu. Dinuzulu, Gatoitrayo. That's pretty good. Um, you know, and if you're not familiar with the history, um, her great-grandfather, a.k.a. King Dinuzulu, um, was exiled to St. Helena by the Brits uh, back in the 1800s, um, you know, because they basically said to him, how dare you summon your Zulu army to try and take us out? So on a historical significance, it's... um or rather on her uh, historical level, it's pretty significant and it's important. But besides that, I also want to get to know Kubu Zulu as a person. You know, she's a young woman. She's been in uh, writing and production and directing of movies. And uh, what's most interesting, I think, for me is, you know, just people telling their own stories. Well, this is the thing. Um, how many times have we heard people complaining about American or English directors and producers coming into this country and telling African stories. And the question is, well, where are the Africans telling African stories? Exactly. So this is a prime example of that. So if you want to join in on the conversation, 0861 is the number to get us on. You can tweet us at cliffcentral.com or you can message us straight through to WeChat on our ID, Cliff Central. Uh, that is a wrap of the Women's News. Kubu Zulu joining us next on cliffcentral.com. Baby, I'm playing on you tonight. It's Maroon 5 with animals on cliffcentral.com and in studio joining us over the next uh, half an hour or so is Kubu Zulu. Good afternoon, madam. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, and thank you for having me here. Um, thank you so much, Aspasia. Oh. Despite the fact that I was late, I am really sorry about that, but thank you no, for being here. No, no, nobody knows you're late. Lovely so about now it. you're giving it away. You're giving <laughs> the game away. <laughs> the traffic in this part of the world yeah, is disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Don't is. even worry about it, and especially at around this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Um, you know, uh, historically, in terms of your significance and your lineage's uh, significance, Basically, um, we're sitting with the princess. Ba- aren't we, basically? I mean, you are a I di- love it. I you, love it. You are a direct descendant. You are the great-granddaughter of King Dunuzu, Luka Tchotchayo. Um, I also practice that. Well, you know. How was that? Was it okay? It's coming along. It's getting there. <laughs> it's getting there. And, um, I mean, the reason that we've invited you this afternoon is to get to know you personally, to just find out what your story is, and then also to find out about this amazing, amazing project that you've worked on in telling the story of your great grandfather. Um, Ever so often, Africans will say, why aren't Africans telling African stories? Why do we wait for Americans 
to or, come and tell our stories or the for Brits us. to come into this country or onto this continent to make movies about our stories? That's a very valid question. Yeah. And, um, well, firstly, I want to say I believe the times are changing, um, given, you know, the recent events, particularly in South Africa, uh, with students. And I think a story like Dindi Zulu's exile has resonates with, with what's actually happening in South Africa today with young people. Uh, you must remember, you know, Dini Zulu, King Dini Zulu, um, when the Battle of Janani happened, which was a battle between the Zulu and the British, and obviously collaborators of the Zulu represented by Zipepu Gamapita. Mm. Uh, he was 16 years old. So he was a teenager. He was a teenager, essentially. And he was saying, no, you know, this is all wrong. You can't just, you know, come in here, ride roughshod and take our land and say it's yours because, you know, there's a queen somewhere, Victoria, uh, who owns the land. Um, it, it's just not going to work. So I think it has particular resonance with what's happening today. Tell people what year the battle was. Um, the Battle of Chanani was in on June the fifth, eighteen eighty-four. And um, what happened? Well, what happened was um, it was just almost a year before um, King Denizulu's father had been on the run. Literally, um, it was just after the. Battle of Isandlwana, also known as the Anglo-Boer War in 1879, and he had defeated the British at that stage. Um, that attack um, was then followed by another war, which was actually led by Zibepu, um, known as the Battle of Ulundi and the Battle of Rorkstrift, where Kajwayo had been defeated. It was, you know, a complete time of of crisis for in, uh, you know, central um, Zululand at, at, at that particular point. And, you know, Dini Zulu had been watching all of this from the margins. Obviously, he was still quite young. Um, you know, Kachwaya then went on to uh, Britain to then uh, meet with Queen Victoria to discuss the challenges around, you know, the annexation of Zululand and because this was a real problem. Um, you know, Zululand, you must remember at this stage, had been an economy that was thriving. They were quite self-sufficient. They didn't really need to uh, import much in the way of material goods. Um, it was a thriving economy. Um, what happened during this period was that the Natal colony had needed a labor force. And the only place they saw at the time they could turn to, to for this labor force was Zululand because it had this – and people were not migrating to Natal um, who had wanted to build up their, their economy. So this is the reason why this war was waged in the mm. first place. I think it is also worth mentioning because Dinu Zulu died in 1913, and that's that he was born um, in 1868, but he was a young man. When he died, he was 45 years old. That's young by today's standards. It's absolutely young. And it's a, it's a real shame. I mean, if you think, you know, 1913 also, you know, the Native Land Act, 
um, came into play came into place during that period. So a very pivotal time, and also, um, and you that know, that was a lot of stuff that was done by the very man whose statue is now being removed. Absolutely, Rhodes had a hell of a lot to do with with the Denny Zulu question because right. you know really it was around economics. And, you know, because they turned then to Zululand to try and get this labor force, and that's why these wars were happening. So, you know, what do you do? So you have this young king who's resisting, and you say, well, you know, uh, since he's defeated us, uh, we're going to convict him for high treason and sedition. And that's precisely what happens. Now, you know, coming back from St. Helena... Um, so let's just say they, mm-hmm. they convict him and mm-hmm. they send him to Santa right. Lina. Mm-hmm. Santa Lina being the same place where Napoleon was Bonaparte. Yeah, for, Absolutely. How crazy is that? For several years he was sent there. <laughs> Absolutely. Twice. But, but Twice Napoleon went there. Um, I think. Or uh, was he sent somewhere else the second time? Uh, no, it, it was, it was, um, Saint Helena as far as I can recall. Um, because I think that was just after the, the, the battle of, um, I think Waterloo, hmm. uh, with regards to, yeah, Napoleon and, you know, so the Brits felt, well, you know, let's, let's that send him there. Great disco hit. <laughs> um, we, I want to talk about you specifically because you are a producer, a director, a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I just want to find out what it's like for uh, South Africans slash Africans to start telling their own stories and to tell it in such a way that it evolves into this film or movie production that that can be viewed by millions of people across the world. Because it's so easy for multi-billion dollar industries like Hollywood and, you know, in the UK. Uh, from the African... being a struggle is what you're saying. Well, from the African perspective, what is that experience like? Well, you know, it is a struggle. Um, you know, I mean, it's never been easy, you know, whether one is a filmmaker or one is a writer. But I think, you know, one has to have a great deal of chutzpah. Um, but you, you haven't know. stayed. <laughs> <laughs> so you're okay. You're set. <laughs> so, you know, you, you go out there. Um, obviously, you know, Hollywood is a huge uh, establishment and, you know, they have their own particular ways in, in which they want to do things. I'm actually, you know, myself quite open to, to Hollywood. And I know this would be against, you know, uh, much of the sort of philosophy, you know, from the South African point point of view, you know, we should be having Africans make our films. The reason that I say this is because when you look at some stories, and in particular a story like this, which is quite epic, um, and which deserves its place in history, mm. in world history, because it had a lot to do with the West. It had a lot to do with Britain and, you know, Britain's role in terms of conquest. Um, then you have to sort of sit down and say, you know, how best to tell the story so that a world audience is going to see it. And when we talk about world audiences, we're talking about distribution, which is very key in a project like this. So, you know, um, I would, you know, be very open to to casting A-list actors. Um, I'm not going to reveal any of those um, in this show. You'll have to um, oh, wait, wait on. Wait. <laughs> Do you think you would get a lot of backlash for, for, for saying that you'd be happy to cast A-list actors who are not perhaps local 
actors. Well, you know what? There's no such thing as bad publicity. So if there is a black backlash, I would welcome it and I can absolutely defend my decision. But let me, you know, the, for me, it's, there's also a certain romance to the story. I mean, you see this like 19 year old king being exiled to this crazy place. Now you have been to St. Helena and one part of the film pivots around that story of going off to St. Helena and you meet Essentially, your cousin. Second cousin, yes. A second cousin who is calling herself Princess Zulu. Mm -hmm. That's how she goes. Mm -hmm. That's how she goes. Princess Denise Zulu. Um, she is a beautiful woman. Um, her other name is Mrs. Magdalene Noden, but she does go by the name of Princess <laughs> Denise Zulu. She's, um, and I, and I it's must tell you a little bit. It's not the same, Mrs. Magdalene Noden, whatever. <laughs> I mean, like, we're not gonna, like, I have a little story there. Let me, let me tell you, Aspasia, what happened. And this is how she coined the name was, um, you know, amongst other things, she had been um, a nurse and a midwife and married an English doctor. She had left, you know, the island when she was 15 years old, uh, St. Helena Island, that is, which is in the South Atlantic. And, um, you know, moving on, she'd had kids. And then she decided, you know, I want to focus on myself because, you know, life had been so hard in St. Helena. And um, she started, you know, playing folk music and then decided, well, you know, I need a name because she also was dabbling with cabaret. And, and she, she thought, well, I need a name that's going to be, you know, suitable, appropriate, that's going to be catchy. And, and she sort of, you know, started reflecting on her own life and where she had come from. And she remembered that her great, her grandfather, King Dinizulu, had been exiled in St. Helena. And that's, this is how she came up with the name, Princess Dinizulu. <laughs> so, there you go. Oh, gosh. But Princess I mean, this is because when he arrived there, he had a romance mm -hmm. with the local ladies. With the local ladies, um, you know, as Magdalene described it, um, yeah, my mom was one of the uh, female attendees of the young king. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she attended quite well. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, he's... Uh, you know, Dinizulu has left a remarkable heritage in, in St. Helena. I mean, when I went on the ship um, last year in August, um, because you have to travel for about five days and then stay on the island for eight days and then another five days to, to get back to Cape Town. So it's uh, still... Yes. Damn isolated. Yeah. No, absolutely. If we, if we had to send somebody, like, you know, if maybe Zuma decided to exile oh. Julius. <laughs> well, you know, there's a place to send him to. <laughs> <laughs> it would take about 18 days. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Julius, I don't think you'd want to be exiled to St. Helena. Well, if it was in the period that it was, but not, it's, it's pretty much a, it's a lovely island with, um, very lovely, very friendly people. Um, and, um, how many of them are there? It's tiny. Well, it's, uh, it's a small population, just a little under 5,000, uh, people. That wow. is less than a drop in the ocean. <laughs> um, did the king ever marry? Did he have a spouse? Oh, yes. Mm. Yes. Um, he did. Absolutely. Um, a few of them, I, I should mention. <laughs> um, two of his female attendants had uh, accompanied him because he went with the delegation of about 19 people when he went on the island. And, um, you know, um, but also, I mean, you know, the, the beauty in the story for me is a really also exploring a relationship, a very interesting relationship with um, Harriet Colenso, the daughter of the Bishop of Peter Maritzburg at the time. 
John Colenso. Of course, John Colenso had died already before. I think it was around 1882. Um, but it's just, it's this relationship with Harriet Colenso who, you know, campaigns for him. Um, quite vociferously whilst he's in St. Helena, you know, campaigning to the British government. Um, what was also interesting for me is, you know, there's a very pivotal meeting that happens during that time between the British Prime Minister at the time, John Robinson, and a young Dini Zulu uh, who is making a case for his release. So I think we're going to see lots of exciting things um, around this narrative. Now, let's talk about the actual process um, of of, you know, producing, writing, directing the movie. Um, first of all, when did this when did this all happen? When did the process start for you in, in getting started on this project? Well, it actually, that's a very good question. It, it's actually been a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been years, to be quite honest. And, you know, one has got to, to begin somewhere. And, you know, it... Um, look... When it really began to resonate for me just um, in a very visceral way was um, I, I was quite young and um, my father and I had um, a very intellectual relationship. Um, you know, I, I come from this very conservative family. And, um, you know, and, <laughs> and I, I, I was quite young. I must have been about 12 years old when, when my father began to tell me, uh, he, we always talked, he loved history and, and having been a history teacher, he, he loved to talk about history and he'd tell me about, you know, the, the great stories of, of Shaka and, um, you know, when, when, the Zulus reigned at a particular time in, in history, but also uh, modern history and, and um, you know, but um, so, you know, that's when I first in, encountered Denny Zulu. And then, you know, many, many years later, I mean, I'd written other stories, etc. And it just, you know, at a particular time, I think it was some six years ago or so, and I thought, well, you know, let me begin to look at the story. You know, my father is getting on, so, you know, this would be a good time to actually, you know... Because ask him some questions. Exactly, mm. to ask mm. some questions and dig a bit deeper. Um, and one of the things that was fascinating me, which really sort of propelled me to get into the story, was... Um, Classical piano, mm. because this is what Dini Zulu loved. He was a classical pianist. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. <laughs> who would have thought that? <laughs> who would have imagined that? So, um, you know, this, this is what I love because, I mean, I, you know, I love music and I, 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 I love jazz, obviously, uh, being my favorite. But, you know, I, I, I always sort of wondered when I was young why my father loved listening to classical music. You know, he loved Beethoven and, um, and Schubert and, 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 and then years later, I, you know, my, my daughter started playing piano and, um, and she, and she, she, she loved Schubert. Of course, she, she, because she was so young, she was, uh, she started when she was about three and a half and then when she was, um, eight and, you know, really got into jazz. And so, you know, and, and the piano, which always, you know, resonated with me. And I was like, and then finding out that actually King Dionysolu played piano <laughs> and he also played the organ at St. James when he was in St. Helena. So, ah. <laughs> and you have letters, apparently, all this correspondence, which is also, I find that stuff incredibly moving. I wouldn't be able to kind of leave it because the written correspondence is kind of like it immediately like sort of drops you mm. into the past. That was a personal touch and you, 
you you're touching it yourself. Yeah. Yes. Um I you know I I'm very lucky. I have to say I I don't have the originals as such um the 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 originals are kept in um libraries around the world um from you know the Kili Campbell library in Durban um in KwaZulu Natal and I believe some at Cambridge University some in Australia um it's what's been so interesting in the last 2 years in focusing on the story is you know it's it's things have been happening i mean it's it's just there's just been so much serendipity because you know i i speak to friends i haven't spoken to in a long time and they'll say hey you know i'm actually in touch with um, bishop calenzo's great grandson and you know he's in australia and you know things just sort of mm. start falling into place so yes those letters are really beautiful and some of them have been um used as excerpts and and books particularly um I, I want to mention one particular historian who um we lost recently um who was very very dear to me at the time that we be- began to engage professor Jeff Guy um mm. one of the most progressive historians and i think it's a sad loss um that he's gone because um we'd we'd actually made a pact that we were going to be collaborating and and writing the story so Yeah. You better hurry up, you see. <laughs> I'd have to. I have to. So what I would appreciate and let's put it out all there since you you know you're giving me this bit of space we are on a fundraising mission, a very serious one and I call upon upon corporates in particular, you know, government is doing its bit through their agencies, but corporates this is a story worth uh, telling. and uh, we hope you'll come on board as uh, our investors. I was no, actually Harriet actually sorry before we yeah. sorry but <laughs> I just want to finish the story did Harriet get him back? I mean did he come back? He, he did. Back. He did come back. He he did come back and um you know so, so much was happening um you know it was he came back during um it was just after the Anglo-Boer war. um 1889 and you must remember after that the very same uh, Boer soldiers were also then exiled to St Helena and he, oh, really yes and um very, That's very crazy it absolutely abs- a part of history that like kind of has almost Well, disappeared and that this is the reason why it's important for us to document this history you know because as as i say you know all of these the you know the changing tide um in in the country at that time you know where the brits are clearly asserting their power you know um the extermination i'm sure some of you have heard of of um afrikaners in concentration camps which was happening during that period you know so it's mm. like get rid of dinizulu okay let's deal with the afrikaners because remember there was also this alliance between dinizulu and the afrikaners uh around the battle of chaneni so it was like you know yes let's get rid of them and then what follows a few years after that is um what is now known as the poltax war which was the bambata rebellion um in 1906 and um you know uh, chief bambata goes off to mozambique and escapes and who takes the rap for all of this is is dinizulu so he's banished again this time to greytown prison and uh, spends another four years again mm. harriet is there at his side you know totally committed 
to him, to his struggle, and um, it's a fascinating history indeed. It is a truly fascinating story, and in fact, I was I was going to ask you before you mentioned the the funding problem or the issue. Well, Sorry. I was going to ask you, well, what are some of the challenges that you faced in trying to tell the story? But this is such an important story to tell, just as part of our history. Um, Shouldn't our government be getting involved in these kinds of stories, though? You know, you look at a country like Nigeria with Nollywood, and and then you hear the stats of how um, Nollywood contributes to something like a third of the economy, and I stand to be corrected exactly there, but, you know, Nollywood has a contribution towards the economy. And then you look at our stories and you think we've got such rich stories to tell. Shouldn't our government be getting involved in making sure that these stories are told. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, um, there can be more involvement from government's um, side of things. Yes, they, 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 they have come on to, to the table. Um, it, uh, it, it could be more significant. Uh, are you listening, Minister Mtetler? <laughs> 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 Minister of Arts and Culture, not <laughs> And, um, and also, you know, government on a provincial level, um, you know, this is a story. Look, it, it, it has had good receptions, but of course, you know, the proof is really in how much gov- government is putting on the table for a story this big. And, and I'm, I'm actually quite optimistic, um, that, you know, they will do the right thing in a significant way. Um, but I also want to challenge the corporates mm. um, in particular. You know, we know that Rand Merchant Bank was um, at one point investing in films. And, you know, so we're looking to them to, you know, uh, Bassa, you know, all of those. I mean, I know Bassa doesn't do film specifically, but, you know, this this is something they can start to open up about and and, and look at in, in, in terms of, of giving funding. And um, I think we're on the right path. But, yes, we do welcome because we do need a hell of a lot of funding for a project because like frankly, this. frankly, if you're going to do all these epic scenes, yes, which I just see well, unfolding, battles, exactly. battle yeah. scenes, sea mm-hmm. journeys, exactly. love story. Yeah, the love story, the music, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it has, has, has all those But makings. you have some amazing collaborators already. I mean, for the music specifically, I'm thinking about Philip, Philip Miller, which will be amazing. I mean, Absolutely. I remember once being in the in Venice, walking around the Venice Biennale, and hearing this music out of a room. I started crying mm. because it was so instantly recognizable as South African, mm. and I don't know. It just emotionally gripped me. So I think that he is the perfect. We'll all be in floods, basically the entire film. Absolutely, I think I'm absolutely. But as lucky. I listen to the story, I'm in like actually I'm on the verge of tears the whole time. I feel so emotional as I hear it. And who would you have play your great grandfather, King Dinosaur? Well, that's you, a great question. Do you I'm have a sure. short list? Do you have ideas? Absolutely. Um, have ideas, have a, a short list. Um, we cannot, cannot, I'm afraid, reveal that because it has to take everybody by surprise. Right. Um, they're not necessarily a, um, a Hollywood A-lister in the sense that they haven't won an Oscar yet, but they will. For sure. 
And Not that I know who this is, but I'm just like, <laughs> but we're just, he'll win one for this film. We hope he, he will win, he will, he will win one for this film. And, um, and, uh, who knows, even your, um, Harriet character. I mean, there are just so many fascinating characters, um, in the story, you know, um, I, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a little hint maybe about one, you know, I, I, I would love to be approaching, uh, Tim Roth for one of the rules. Uh, rules. So we'll see. <laughs> Okay. Just think big. Exactly. Saying. I'd like have to have you know. made a vision board. We asked this from everyone, but like I'm starting to feel that you need to make a vision board. To you need see to put those through. pictures there. Yeah. Oh, they're there. Okay, they're, good. They're, She's they're, made the vision no, board. No, no, they're they're up. They're absolutely there, and I talk to it. You know, every every. Day and and I say yeah no I know you'll be coming along the universe is connecting us and you know um, <laughs> um just out of interest mm-hmm. um how old were you when you became aware of the significance and the importance of your lineage and where you're descended from and when you started processing that information what did it mean to you you know to be quite honest I. I grew up um, as um, most children do in the royal household. I really grew up as a really ordinary girl, and, mm. and um, I think also, you know, um, I, I mean, of course, it's something I was aware of my my whole life. But I prefer it to be incognito. Um, you know, it's not something I ever spoke about. I mean, you no, know, no, as for no. C and I, we were at university and no one ever knew at university, no. you know, that I was from this particular, and that suited me fine. Mm. And, and, you know, um, but here's a story and there's, you know, there, there, I mean, some people somehow, you know, people do find things out. I don't know how. <laughs> well, now I'm afraid we've like just gone like, here's the princess. Yeah, no, we've just, uh, where's her crown? We've just kind of exposed you even a little bit more. <laughs> and, um, but you know, it, it, it's all right. Um, I, 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 I suppose the, the, the thing to do is, um, you know, one one exploits it in the best way you can, particularly when you're trying to get funding for a project like this. So why not? <laughs> and what will the movie be called? Um, Denis Zulu's Exile. Denis Zulu's Exile. That's correct. Uh, wow, I can't believe we've run out of time already. No, but it's so sad. I see that the clock counting yeah, down. Yeah. The, the, the clock is like those... Like that British army that was <laughs> resisting and against the king. But um thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. We are so um honored. I'm thank actually you guys. I'm moved. the one who is honored. I'm moved. <laughs> and uh, But you know, it is just before we yeah, finish, yeah. I just want to say to go back to what you were saying right at the beginning, it is interesting to me that like students now who are like seventeen, eighteen are suddenly mm-hmm feeling those stories mm. and their import because you'd think well who ca-? like it's some old statue up on a mountain i'm more interested in instagram mm. and the fact that actually no they're not bodes well they're feeling a connection to to their roots and where they come from and they're wanting mm. to share those stories and i think that that is necessary um, it's important to to keep teaching those who come after us about our history. Absolutely, you know, it 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 has to do with representation, the representation of aesthetics, the representation of content. We are responsible for our own destinies, exactly. so it's up to us yeah. to 
tell the story. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> princess Kubuzulu, thank you so much for joining us on Between Two Pems this afternoon. I also want to be a princess. I know. <laughs> thank you, ladies. We are all princesses. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, if you anoint us, it will be your handmaiden. <laughs> yes, I'm happy to be. Can we be her handmaiden? Yes. What do they call them as well? Like the lady in waiting. Lady in waiting. Me. That's, that's who I that's want to me. be. Uh, thank you for joining us for another edition of Between Two Fems on cliffcentral.com cliffcentral.com